Hey guys, it's Dan from the Batchat Podcast. We're running our tipping competition again. That's right. Last year we had huge prizes. I think we gave away thousands of dollars. This year it's going to be even better. You have to be a patron though, so head to backchatpodcast.com.au. You can sign up as a patron there. You get access to early episodes and also our merch. It's pretty good. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, here we are. You know what you're listening to. It's the Backchat Basketball Show. You might be watching on YouTube, on Backchat Studios' YouTube channel. If you are, I'm going to ask you to do something straight off the bat, and there's a reason for that. And Mitch, I'll get to you in a second. Uh, Leave a comment on this YouTube video for your chance to win a prize. Now, I've got a fully signed uh, Wildcats jersey from uh, last year. It's got every single player on there, Mitch Norton included. Okay, it's from last year but it's still good. Uh, you leave a comment on the YouTube chat, uh, on our YouTube video there, and we're going to draw one random person from that. So go have a look at that Backchat Studios on YouTube. Uh, if you just listen, go there, subscribe, uh, give it a like, and uh, leave us a comment. New episodes coming out every Wednesday. Backchat underscore basketball is where you'll find us on Instagram. Let's get straight into it. Mitch Norton is here. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming in. No worries. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you're, I know you're a bit of a back chat guy, so I'm going to throw a question at you straight off the bat that you might already know, but we like to find out people's greatest sporting achievements and you know, you can't say anything basketball related. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a new one, right? So a lot of times I talk about the cricket, my cricket, uh, prowess. So I'm going to give you some time to more. think about something tell five, five for 16 in yeah. a grand final, um, under 12s. Uh, I've got a new one fresh off the boat, fresh exclusive, yeah. uh, in year seven, they introduced Javelin to the um, school carnival, right? And it wasn't like the, the proper Javelins, of course, because kids, but it's like this shorter, hard plastic one. And I threw a Javelin and they couldn't believe what they saw. Like it went so far, right? True. So, <laughs> so what happened was they put me into the inter-school um, Javelin throw, mm. right? And I had to do a trial so that I could get into the inter-school thing. When they saw my uh, distance that I could throw compared to the rest of the inter school, I was like way short. Like it was horrible, <laughs> right? Right. But for a split second, St. Dennis Primary School in year seven thought they had like An the Olympian, next. A future Olympian. Yeah, a future yeah. Olympian. The next big thing. Wasn't to be. So for a moment, <laughs> I was like p- potentially a javelin guy. Yeah. Olympian. That's impressive. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, what about yourself? Greatest sporting thing you've ever done? Not on the basketball field or 
court? Uh, not on the basketball court. Um, year five, mm-hmm. I represented Queensland uh, for athletics. Yep. So I was a 100-meter specialist. Nice. Um, we In the relay at nationals, we won the gold medal. Did you? So I started off the relay. I was uh, runner number one. Yep. Um, and yeah, we, we got a gold medal. So I've got a gold medal for a 100-meter, 4x100-meter relay. That's big. That's yep. big. Uh, Scoey over there always talks about 80-meter um, hurdles. I don't think he actually won the gold, though. So that's – you've taken <laughs> it. That's brilliant. And the number one runner – uh, it's usually like you're like the second fastest. Is that how it works? Usually, are you the fastest? How do you do that? Yeah, I, I don't know because I finished fourth um, representing North Queensland. So yep. then all the schools came together, um, which then put me in the team to yep. go away to nationals. And then um, at nationals, I finished fourth as well. Right. So I, I ended up knocking off, I guess, another um, Queensland runner um, during the time. But huge. It was a uh, it was a strange time. Like I was. I never used starting blocks. I just got a pair of spikes. Right. So representing like North Queensland, I've just got tape on the feet and <laughs> everyone's wearing spikes. So uh, yeah, I was the only one in the final for the 100 meter standing up, just ready, set, go. And, so uh, everyone else is Everyone else is down, crouch, <laughs> using the blocks. So um, yeah, it was a little intimidating, but yeah, that, that would have to be it. Was Were you, were you always a basketballer for, from a kid? Like, did you play? Um, so you, you're brought up in, in Queensland. Yeah. Um, was that a big thing for you as a kid, playing basketball? No, so I, I wanted to play soccer right. uh, when I was young and had to wait until I was like five or whatever. And, you know, like yeah. back then, all you want to do is play sport. Yeah. So, um, yeah, soccer was the sport I wanted to play. Um, had to wait a year until I was old enough to, to play, I guess, team sport. Um Rocked up to soccer tryouts or whatever, and the coach jumped out of his car, rolled a couple of soccer balls out, jumped back in his car and took off. And that was the last we ever saw of him. So um, I left there going, oh, this is not really what I what I hoped. Yeah. Um, waited a year to play soccer, and we don't have a coach. There's no organized anything. And I was like, this isn't, yeah, this isn't very fun. Um, went back to school the next day, and one of my best friends said, um, why don't you come and try basketball? And... I was like, oh, I don't know, I think I might try like rugby league right? rather than basketball and went along to basketball and, and never looked back. Right. Yeah. And were you a tall, like a tall for your age kid or were you just sort of average? Because usually the taller kids gravitate towards basketball. Yeah, no, I was, I was kind of average um, yeah. growing up. I think I fouled out of every single game <laughs> my first year. Um, so Reaching mom, a lot. Mum and dad were like, maybe rugby league was <laughs> the choice. But um, no, other than that, yeah, basketball's kind of been it. And I think the thing with, with basketball and most team sports growing up, you create friends um, that you'll have for the rest of your life, and yep. I still got close mates today. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what was the what was then like the process of, of turning to more serious basketball playing as a you know in in school? To then, what point did you go? Okay, this is like something I need to take seriously. Um, so, I guess I it was a bit of a different route for me. I kind of grew up playing like club basketball, local basketball, and then would go to all the Townsville Crocs games. Yeah. Um, so again, was very lucky to have an NBL team in my city. Yeah. Um, so I went to all the Crocs games. I was like the first one there. As soon as the doors opened, I'd like run down and get to like watch these guys warm up. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And then, because um, I was there super early, uh, I think it was Mike Kelly at the time. I was playing with Townsville and he was like, hey, before the coaches come out, like, can you just pass me the ball back? Huge. And I was like, yeah, no worries so then I did that for like every game um 
and then Ian Stacker, who was the coach at the time, um, said, look, we've got a training Tuesday night, uh, our only night training that you're more than welcome to come to. And mum and dad saw that as a bit of a bargaining chip for me to knock out all my homework on Monday. Yeah, nice. Um, so I could go Tuesday and uh, I think I was the best student from then on. And <laughs> um, I think going to see, I guess, those guys in that environment kind of made me think, wow, this is pretty cool and yeah. I want to do this for a living. That's crazy because then Mike Kelly ends up being one of your coaches like later on down the track, yeah. um, how things sort of work out like that. So were you, like how good were you for them to be bringing you into some sort of training? Like were you playing in like tournaments and stuff like that or so i was i was i was probably like eight or nine so i was really young right all right so i was just going there to floor sweep yeah right so i I get to go and watch this incredible and professional environment um where there's guys like rob rose yeah pat reedy like you know olympians and and you know mvps of the league and and all this stuff and i got to go and watch and learn at a really young age so from then on, and you know, I'd started off with floor sweeping and then I got to do, you know, the game clock and shot clock, which is some of the scariest jobs <laughs> yeah. in the world uh, when you've got really competitive people in a professional environment that don't want to lose and yep. the ball goes through the basket and you've got to stop the clock, put the score on and yeah. all in time. And uh, yeah, I was like 12 years old and getting yelled at by, <laughs> <laughs> by grown men and uh, it was pretty scary. But then from there, you move on to, you know, I guess warm-up drills and ball handling and stuff like that as you got a little older and yeah I mean I was so thankful because when I got to go back to under 12s training yep. and they're teaching defense and how to rotate and everything I was like oh this is easy like yeah. how, do, how do kids not understand this <laughs> but I was obviously getting to learn from a pretty elite that's level. awesome so you just sort of just um sort of embedded in it from a young age and, and that's how you grew that's that's really cool so then at what point did you know that you could be professional like what was that moment like um so i think that probably didn't really click until um i got to go away represent queensland at a couple of national championships and and perform pretty well although you know our team wasn't um loaded with talent uh, i thought we just played really hard and i was you know putting up some pretty good numbers at the time so uh from there i guess we got to go to uh junior australian camps and things yep. like that and um, when I made the under-17 World Cup team, that was probably the moment where I thought, all right, things are, things are kind yeah. of moving in the right direction. Yeah, so how, like, at, at that age, 17, you're having to try and look at, I don't know, getting a job and stuff like that. So how do you balance trying to pursue professional sport as well as, you know, knowing what to do after school? Yeah, so, I mean, that was, that was tough. Um, I was kind of lucky because in Queensland we finished high school when we were 17. Uh, right. Yeah, 17. Yes. So um, at that time, all I was doing was school and, and basketball. And I happened to miss a fair chunk of school just with camps and world champs and stuff like that for under 17. So um, it was it was tough trying to juggle all of that. Um, but then I received a scholarship to go to the Australian Institute of Sport yep. um, where I was going to finish school and then move down to Canberra. So it kind of all worked out um, quite nicely. So um, you have an opportunity to play at the World Champs, but you have uh, you broke your foot, right? Mm. Um, what was that sort of like, knowing you're so close to something like that, and then you know, sort of out of your control, an injury like that popping up? Yeah, so I think that was that was a really tough injury to to handle. Um, you go away with the under nineteen 
team. I was bottom age, so um, a lot of the people that you're living with at the AIS, like the point of the AIS is to win medals on a world stage. And, yep. Um, to get everyone there young enough and live together and create those friendships and bonds and everything to hold you in good stead moving forward. So um, to go away, do all the pre-world stuff and, and be playing really well, end up kind of cracking my way into the starting um, point guard spot there. And then the last one of the last practice games um, before the Worlds, yeah, broke a bone in my foot. So... How'd you do that? Was it like yeah, it was, someone's foot or something? Or? Yeah, someone just kind of like stood on my foot and I went to dive for a ball and it just... Did you know straight away? Not straight away. I, I kind of, yeah, it didn't feel great. And then walking off, I was like, yeah, it's it's pretty sore. And um, I didn't want to try and give too much away to the medical staff. And yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, when I took my shoe off, it just, it blew up straight away. And we could kind of tell that something wasn't right. But um, leaving the floor kind of got carried off and put into the back of like this ambulance and the ambulance in Latvia um not (laughs) exactly great so we couldn't we had no idea what they were saying but the doc was with me so I'm like laying on the back of this bed in the in the ambulance and he's like flying through traffic and I'm like (laughs) half rolling off the bed and we don't know where we're going no we don't know what's happening and then eventually get to the hospital and find out the x-ray and yeah that it was a break and Probably one of the toughest conversations I've had or, or anything was trying to explain to my teammates that, yeah, I've been living with you guys for six months and, yep. you know, you've done so much for me. Moving away from home for the first time as well. So, like, a lot of these guys taught me how to do, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that you do on a day-to-day basis. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was tough to stand up in front of them and say that, yeah, I'm going to have to miss out on, on the yeah, World Cup. that's brutal. I, um, the last time I played basketball, I, I went up – I. Sh- put up a shot and landed on someone's foot and turned my ankle and broke it broke my ankle and yeah you take the shoe off and it just it was so big yeah. and it was brutal um like so blue and yeah going to the hospital and the only thing that made it better were these like little i can't remember what the tablets were but all of a sudden like the pain just yeah. <laughs> dissolved but it was it's so i don't know I, I did my ankle that many times playing just c grade you know at loftus and yeah, it's such a debilitating thing. Like, it's still sore for me now. I never rehabbed it properly. But yeah, yeah. ankles and basketball, <laughs> it's just the story of my short, casual basketball career. Yeah. Um, so, 2011, you get to play um, for the Crocs, which is pretty cool that you got to watch them and grow up with them as a kid, um, play for your, for the team. Um, do you remember getting the call up and, and how that went to say that you'd be playing? Yeah, so I broke my foot. At yep. under nineteen worlds, um, got to stay there for the tournament. Flew straight back to Townsville, um, where I was going to have surgery there, and then the plan was to go back to the AIS and do my rehab and and all that stuff with the with the crew there who had dealt with a lot of these injuries that I had. Um, yeah. A lot of the you know former guys, I think Joe Ingalls, I think Patty, I think a lot of them have kind of been through that route. So um, I knew I was going to be in good hands going back there, and then. Um, one of the owners of the club at the time was like, hey, what are you up to? I want to take you out for a coffee and, and run some things by you. And I was like, well, I'm 17. I don't really drink coffee, but I'll go, <laughs> I'll go for a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we went and had a drink. And, um, yeah, he was like, look, we're really excited. We want to bring you on as a development player. Um, and I was like, oh, thanks. But if you have a rostered spot, I'll stay for that. But otherwise I'm going back to the yeah. AIS. Like I think I'm 
going to be better off playing every day, working on my craft. I just think that will be better for me in the long run. Did you get like? Did they give you an opportunity for you to like think about that and go back to them, or did you just like just big balls it and and put your <laughs> cards out on the table? That's pretty, pretty big much. for a seventeen year old. Yeah, yeah. So I, well, I've, I've always been very goal driven and like to see what's in front of me, and yeah. that was kind of always my route. I didn't really want a DP spot; I wanted a roster spot. And um, at that time, uh, I think Trev might have been in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Andre Lamanis, who was assistant coach with the Crocs for a lot of years, was in New Zealand. So I knew I had some ties around yeah, the league. Nice. Um, so, yeah, and then a day later, they rang me back and were like, all right, we found a rostered spot for you. And oh, wow. Signed there and there. That's pretty awesome. Just as a 17-year-old, you know, you just probably know not much leverage, you know, and, and not, not like a manager speaking for you and you just take yeah. that's that's impressive uh so what was your time at townsville like obviously the so the team folds in 2016 um but leading up you had five pretty good years there yeah yeah five really good years i think my first year we made uh the playoffs um we're playing new zealand in the semi-final one game one over there came back to townsville we're up big in the fourth quarter and lost went back to new zealand lost um and so, yeah, I think to experience the playoffs in my first year was like, well, this is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, playing, you know, alongside Eddie Gill, who's had, you know, a number of years in the NBA and was a part of the Malice in the Palace and yeah. and all that stuff. So the stories you're hearing from him are like <laughs> That's so good. world class. And then, um, yeah, I guess after that, the second year, we started off terrible. I think we were 0-10 to start the year. Right got rid of imports brought imports in like it was it was pretty messy and then um and then sean dennis came in who was who was over here in perth for a lot of years and kind of gave me my first sort of starting role and a bit more of responsibility in terms of leadership and things like that and from there i really saw i guess myself grow as a player as a person and and the squad we had um i think we we're all pretty young guys obviously we didn't have a big budget at that time and yeah, we just kind of developed and grew together. And at the end of that, we were playing some really good basketball and, and kind of unfortunate not to make playoffs. But um, when it all came to an end, it was it was pretty tough um, being a hometown boy and walking in and seeing, you know, grown men in tears because yeah. um, they don't know how they're going to feed their family and pay their mortgage and yeah, all that. So uh, it kind of put everything into perspective for me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty tough time, but... Yeah. From there, it kind of moved on to, to bigger, better, better things. Yeah. W was the writing sort of on the wall a bit with the club? Like, had you heard that for a little while that things were going to happen or was it a bit of a shock? Yeah. So it, it kind of went through a couple of stages, like um, went into VA a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so the writing was sort of on the wall. Um, how, how I found out the last time and final time, I guess, the club was done, I was in New Zealand playing um in the league over there yeah and nick k was obviously on the, the team for that last year as well so we'll we're both over there playing same team and um i think nick had just got a contract extension come through so he was right. pretty happy and then like 24 hours later he's like oh i, I don't think the crocs are around and i was like <laughs> what do you mean like yeah you just signed like i haven't yeah. heard anything and then they get a phone call like couple minutes later and i was wow. like wow 
There you go. It's tough. You you and Nick seem to follow each other around. So he 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 plays at uh, the Crocs that last year. Then you both go to Illawarra for two years, and then you both go to the Wildcats. Was that planned at all, or <laughs> like I don't know, were you a package when 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 those sorts of things happened? Yeah, it was it was weird. Um, obviously, when Nick came to Townsville, we created a, a pretty good bond and and like um, a Shaq and Kobe situation. <laughs> yeah, almost very <laughs> close. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, when they folded, obviously Sean Dennis was really good friends with Rob Beveridge at the time, and um, they coached together for a lot of years. And I think, um, I think they could kind of see the the little combo we had. Yeah. Um, so it made sense for us to to pack up and move to Wollongong together. And then, um, yeah, we played a couple of we lived together, um, played a couple of seasons uh, in New Zealand together. And then um, when the decision came to move to Perth. I was the first one right. to decide. So he followed um, you. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, a lot of stressful conversations had on the couch, um, and yeah, we just bounced ideas off each other. And I think we both made the right move, and they were both for different reasons. Like you right. know, he wanted to come and learn from Matt Nielsen, and yeah, and you know the greats and wags and and things like that. And I wanted to learn from Damo. So um, we both kind of had the same. I guess thought processes, yeah. and um, it was it was cool how it all worked out. And so you you played two years in Illawarra, and in the in your final year there, you play against the Wildcats in the grand final series, um, and you you lose that. Um, are you at that point? Did you know what you were doing, or was that completely in the off season um, that you made that call to go to the Wildcats? Yeah, it was completely in the off season. So yeah, um, yeah we lost to to Perth in the grand final, um, and then we had the Commonwealth Games. Yep. Um, and then after that gold medal game, 12 o'clock that night, free agency opened. Right. So everyone's out having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and 12 o'clock hits and people start calling, people start getting dragged away to have conversations right. and, and things like that. So it was a really strange uh, situation. Because people were inebriated at the time <laughs> and making decisions. <laughs> exactly that's great exactly so <laughs> no it was um yeah definitely one of the best decisions i've ever made so uh, let's talk about the wildcats then so 2018 you come in and before the season even starts you get to go play in the u.s right against the utah jazz and what was the other team uh, Denver. yeah um you, you're in the starting lineup against the utah jazz like that's pretty surreal right what's that like crazy like, <laughs> yeah i think it might have been the second game i ever had a wildcats jersey on and yeah um, we're playing against Utah. Like, <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Um, you're on the same floor that, <clears throat> you know, MJ's played on. Like, all these yeah. crazy things have happened. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. But to, like, be in that arena was unbelievable. Like, the floor spacing, you know, the people in the crowd, all that is crazy. Yeah. And I remember, I think Greg Hire and I were the first ones to walk out on the floor for warm-up and Rudy Gobert <coughs> is there standing doing his hook shots on our basket <laughs> and we're both standing there like are you yeah. you should go you should go tell him to just like move and we we're both standing there just watching him and it wasn't until one of the assistants were like all right we'll go down the other end now and yeah um, I remember the last thing after our team chat we run out Trevor Gleason's like Mitch you got Donovan Mitchell <laughs> make sure he doesn't go past you. Oh, and I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> I laughed. And then yeah. I was like, oh no, he's serious. Like this is, this is actually really happening. So, um, 
the game itself was not pretty. No. Um, we obviously had to adjust to the rules and, and things like that. And um, I think we lost by 40 or I don't know. It, it wasn't pretty, but it was one of the longest games in my life because it's 48 minutes, yeah. a million timeouts, yeah. and we're getting pumped. So um, it was still a really cool experience. How, how different is it? So you've got Donovan Mitchell coming at you, trying to stop him. Like, how, how different is that to the NBL? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, um, Ricky Rubio was there as well. So yep. Genius. To have, yeah, to have yep. those two guys um, to guard was a really cool learning experience for me, um, just in terms of how they use their body. Like, their core strength and everything is, is unbelievable. I felt like I, in the NBL, you know, you can kind of push guys around a little bit. You yeah. can... Whereas those guys like run into a brick wall um, <laughs> and then you've got Rudy Gobert rolling down the middle at any time. So um, it was a lot of learning curves for us as a team. Um, the bonding and stuff we got out of that couple of weeks was, was I mean, I've, I've never experienced anything like it. And yeah. um, I think I'll probably struggle to, to replicate that. But um, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I guess that would have been good for you coming into the club, right? So a, a new system and everything, and getting to just immerse yourself in a like a road trip like that that would that would bond you. Was that an easy process, joining the club? Yeah, it was. So um, I, I'd have a little bit of experience playing with Jesse Wagstaff, yep. uh, Angus Brandt, like those types of guys with the boomers and things like yeah, that. So yep. that was handy, and then it was always good to have Nick there as well. Like of course, yeah. Someone that you you know how how he plays, where he's going to be. You know, you can talk to him without actually communicating. So, yeah, um, like Shaq and Kirby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, yeah, all those processes were sped up and um, obviously dealing with Trev previously when he was in Townsville um, and I was a young fella. So, yeah, all those relationships were really good. Were you in Were you in Trev's good books? Like, he, he had, from my experience of, of working at the club, like, he definitely had his two or three guys that he trusted completely and... Not that he didn't trust other guys, but, you know, he had his yeah. favourites and then the others that were, you know, I, I heard him yell at Greg that many times, yeah. scream Greg's name. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, what was your sort of relationship with Trev like with that? Yeah, I think to begin with, it was obviously I had to learn the playbook. Yeah. Know how to get Bryce shots, when he wants shots, where yeah. he wants shots. So at the beginning, I kind of felt like I was trying to learn everything yeah like that um and needed to mm. i mean because you had demo out there that was knew how to run the show knew how to get stops what plays to call and all that so um at the start i think i had to gain trust from him um although we knew each other previously yeah um i think yeah gaining trust from him out on the floor was a big one um you know you can go into his office and you can have a chat and what you're gonna hear probably isn't exactly what you want to yeah. hear but you know where you stand. You know what you have to do to play, and and there, I think that's something that um that helped me out. What was it like learning under Damo? So you know, you just mentioned that, that was one of the reasons why you wanted to go to the Wildcats, and I mean he's considered one of the well, the greatest defender in the NBL. I mean the the awards are named after him, so yeah. you know you're in <laughs> you're in good shape when that happens. Exactly. Um, when I when I think of Damian Martin, like if I was to see him on the street and someone would say, "What do you think he does?" I'd say, "Like I know real estate agent or like, you know, 
wedding celebrant, like all the other, <laughs> all the other things. <laughs> There's that he a does. million things. Yeah, right? all the other yeah. things. But I wouldn't pick him as like this defensive beast on the basketball court. So why? How is Damian Martin? Well, how was he so good at? Because he's not like a really tall, long-armed guy. Strong. Like, obviously, he was really strong. But like, yeah, you know, prototypically as a NBA defender or something like that, you have a certain image of, in your mind. So yeah. how is he so good? Yeah, I mean, playing against him for a lot of time. You get to know that, like, you know, his his hands are unbelievable. Like, right. the way he deflects balls, if anyone else was to hit it, the ball would probably just, like, you know, slowly bounce out of their hand. Whereas if he hits it, it's, like, ricocheting yeah. out of the arena. So, uh, <laughs> he had really good hands. Um, I think just his attention to detail and, and scout and things like that um, was massive. And the input he had as well, like, with how we played and... yeah what we're going to do with import guards and how we're going to defend them. Like Trev kind of left that up to us to decide like where the right. ones out there on the floor. And I think that was, um, that was something that was really cool to, to recognize and learn from him. And as soon as he steps off the floor, like he's one of the most forgetful people <laughs> in the world. Like he'll right. walk out of training, he's carrying one shoe. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't understand how, when you step on the floor, yeah, you know exactly what's happening. You know yeah. how to win games, win championships. And um, yeah, so it's, it was really cool to learn from him. I learned a lot um, in terms of leadership and how to communicate with people. And um, yeah, it's it's something that I'll, I'll hold on to forever. Awesome. So uh, 2019 season, uh, you and I won a championship together. Um, <laughs> we did. We did. Um, even, you know, all the staff get rings. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, uh, I, I actually never got mine because I left uh, shortly after uh, the championship. Surely we can do something about it. I've tried, mate. And Julian, who, who works with us um, as well, he's he got a ring for that year and, and yeah. all the other people. But um, I think the moment doesn't surprise me. Wildcats sort of skimped out on cost um, <laughs> to not get me a ring, even though they promised it and... Troy's not there anymore, so I, I'm yeah. not going to go to Hutchie. Like, hey, yeah. Hutchie, just letting you know, Troy promised me a ring three years ago, or wherever yeah. it was. Um, you you got injured in that season, um, so what was that like? Sort of being a part of that team and and seeing um, seeing that championship. Yeah, so it was um, like Damo. <clears throat> I think that was Damo's last year. Yeah, um, he like partially tore his Achilles or something, so yeah. um, still played. I yeah. don't know how. But I feel like every night we were prepared for writing like, you know, yeah. his retirement. Yeah, like it know. was it was scary and, and not many of us actually knew what he had done. So yeah. uh he wouldn't he wouldn't training, barely ever trained, like but at games would roll up and play. Yeah. And I was like, This is pretty crazy. Like he's he's done something. Like for him not to train, not to be, you know, playing as many minutes as he normally does and I was like, this is, something's not right. And then um, over a couple of red wines and <laughs> things like this, you know, the, the story comes out and it's like, man, you just have to do whatever you have to do yeah, to be on the floor with us when it comes game time. So, um, yeah, I think that year was the COVID situation as well, I think. Uh, the Melbourne grand final, I think. Yeah. I don't think COVID had started yet. The Sydney, the Sydney, the Sydney one after was yeah. the Sydney. It was the COVID one. Yeah, so yeah, I, I was injured for the first grand final, um, first semi final, sorry, and then came back for game one of the grand final yeah. against United. So, um, 
to sit there and experience, you know, not playing for six weeks and then your first game is in a grand final. Yeah. I was a little nervous. Um, Did you think you were going to play at all? Uh, I thought I'd play a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, once I was out there and things were going well, yeah. um, Trev just kind of let it roll and away we went. That's a nice little little wrinkle for, for Trev to have for, like, you know, when they're scouting, you know, not knowing if you're going to be at your full strength yeah. or not like it's yeah. a nice thing to be oh shit mitch is like coming at us yeah. um so that was that was awesome any any good stories or uh, memories from the celebrations of of that um championship i know you guys celebrated at like a cricket club <laughs> in some random <laughs> suburb um well just so you know the, the staff we went to um we rolled into crown and, and yeah had a, had a party at crown. <laughs> oh yeah we know yeah yeah we know we, i don't think we we're too happy about that but um yeah, it was a it was a pretty cool series. Like we we won game one, went to Melbourne, lost game two, come back home for game three, yep. and won by a pretty big margin. And it was a really weird feeling walking into you know I think it was High Sense then Arena yep. or John Kane Arena um, for game four. Like had this feeling that like we just knew it was going to happen yeah like it was, it was it's so weird i don't know how to explain it and i've never felt it right. ever again but um before we ran on the floor like bryce he's not really a big speaker in a team environment and things like that and he pulled us in before we ran out and i probably can't repeat what he said but uh <laughs> everyone left that huddle like with goosebumps Shit. and we walk out to game four and one game four and in an incredible game with uh, Tariko White going going crazy. Yeah. Um. And yeah, after that, Tom Jervis was just like came out of the like out of the blue and just dominated that game. Yeah, he was he was unbelievable. Um. Yeah. I mean, everyone played a really big part. Greg had massive yeah. plays in that game as well. Um. And yeah, so to finish it and to win, like when that final siren went, it was um. Yeah, it was a feeling that I'll never forget and. Um, haven't experienced since um, yeah. although winning two yeah the second one was a little different but yeah. um yeah it was it was so cool to have my brother there my fiance there uh in the crowd in melbourne and to experience that with them yeah um, it's pretty special so yeah then next year covid hits so the season's pretty weird it will be one of the weirdest seasons ever um so i think it starts normal you're playing you know, normal crowds and stuff like that and then around january february it would have been roughly um, crowds start to be taken out of games and mm. you're playing. Um, uh, did you guys do a bubble? Like any sort of... Not that year. So that year, the crowd stopped in the grand final series. That's right. Yeah. So we... I think you played in front of a crowd in Perth and then went to Sydney and then there was no crowd. Yeah. 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 So I think... No, game one was in Sydney. Right. So we played game one in Sydney in front of a full crowd yeah one game one came back for game two we're sitting in the locker room at shoot around and everyone's getting notifications like uh the formula one in right. melbourne have banned crowds yes. and we're like oh that's yeah that's weird and then we're getting messages from the play association saying crowds are going to happen this is you know protocols are going to be in play they're going to be nowhere near you guys yeah um, you know, just so Perth can get fans into the arena, like pretty important part of, yeah. of the Red Army. Yeah, of <laughs> um, course. <laughs> so that happened and then everyone goes home, has a nap, whatever, wake up, come back in, 
to do pre-game stuff, no crowd. Yeah. And I was like, this is really strange. Like friends and family were allowed. So I think there might have only been 20 to 30 people in RAC Arena. Yeah. Um, for game two of a grand final. And it was one of the strangest games I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It was like I was back in Townsville playing local comp on a Tuesday <laughs> night. Like someone would score and it's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it was so strange. Like you could hear all the play calls. And yeah. at that stage of the season, you have a really good, I guess, feel of what the plays are, when they're yeah. going to run them, who they're for. But you can hear them clear as day. Like yeah. the coach is yelling them out. So um, it was a really strange game. We ended up losing that. And then going back to Sydney for game three, which is the final game of that series, um, before it all got shut down. And Damien Martin plays his last ever basketball game in front of an empty <laughs> arena in Sydney. So um, we won that game and came back. And then, yeah, it was a, a bit of a roller coaster from there. How I was thinking about that because basketball is one of those interesting sports where, you know, every sport, obviously, a lot of communication happens on a footy field, a lot of communication. But on a footy field, like the fullback can't hear what the full forward's saying um, from, you know, on the same team. But on a basketball court, you hear like every play call, like you said. So is it easier to like know what they're going to do than when in that situation, when, when there's a crowd, obviously you'd not be able to hear everything. Mm. So is that some sort of advantage or disadvantage, I guess, in the same way? Um, I'm, it's hard to say. Like, I guess because you, you can hear it, you know it's coming. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, you've played them... I guess four times sometimes during the regular season already. Yeah. Um, you've already played them in the in the grand final, so plus you've got scouts. Yeah. You've got iPads with every play they run, <laughs> how many yeah. times they run them, who you know what players' tendencies are, and everything like that. So, um, I think for the most part, I think it's the players' tendencies. I think is the biggest one. Um, yeah. So, which is tough to obviously pick up on the fly, but. Yeah, it, it was really strange, and I mean, they knew exactly what we were running as well. So, yeah. um, did you have to change any play calls to try and hide what you're going to do? You know, and they could hear it, or you just like fuck it, we're just going to we're, we're just, just going to play. With it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so then you win that championship. So that was so strange. Um, basically, the league decided who who won the championship based on the current um, standing of the series. So you are, you guys were up two one. Yeah. Um, at any point. Like, did you think it was just going to be a no result situation or? Um, so I'm not, before big games, I get nervous during yeah. the games. Not so much. Yeah. Cause I feel like you have some input yeah. into what's going to happen. Sitting there in that room, uh, at Bendat. Yeah. When they're about to announce who's yes. going to win the championship, if there's going to be a result, what's going to happen. I was Oh my God, I felt sick. Shitting yourself, Like, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. sick. Like, yeah. I had no idea what was going to happen. The press conference starts, everyone's sitting there, <clears throat> hanging on to every word yeah. that they're saying. And then um, when it's announced, like, it was a weird feeling. Like, do we think we deserved it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, through the games throughout the year, you know, we played really well against them. Through the games in the playoffs, we were up 2-1, so... In our eyes, it definitely made sense, and we think we definitely deserved it. And um, it didn't have the same feeling as that final siren going in <laughs> <Yeah>. Melbourne, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> getting to celebrate with everyone. But um, it was still a really, really cool time. And I think, 
Miles Plumley was with us that year. Yeah. Um, and he he didn't care what happened. He didn't care if we won or lost. He just said, experience this environment with you guys. And he's like, I've never had anything like it. He's like, I've been in the yep. NBA for years. And yeah. everyone's there just to collect checks and yep. and spend money. And here, like, it, it means something to you guys. So he goes, he was just happy with coming along for seven weeks or whatever it was he yeah. was here and um yeah making friends yeah that's so cool so yeah a really r- weird way um to yeah for, especially for Damo, like you said to finish his career yeah um in front of an empty <laughs> sydney arena um then uh we're almost at your time um moving to brisbane but this the thing that a lot of perth people like harp on about is the streak like the playoff streak and every year that you guys made the playoffs, it just compounded this point that eventually it was going to stop, right? There's no way for the rest of eternity Wildcats make the playoffs. Uh, was that talked about much after you guys didn't make the playoffs? I think it was after 35 years and a lot of talk about it from the outside. But what, what was it like for you guys inside the club? Yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. Um, that following year after Damo retired, we ended up making another grand final, so yeah. the streak was still alive. Yeah. Um, Wags was uh, captain, so he got to you know experience that type of stuff. Um, and then the following year, we we miss out. Yeah. Um, last second shot from Bryce against <laughs> yeah. Southeast. Um, if he makes it, we go into the to the playoffs, and you know the one time he misses a game winner, <laughs> uh, that's it. It's all over. So uh, it was a really tough period um, just to to see Wags and how, um, I guess, you know, upset and it means the world to him. And I think he kind of took a lot of responsibility for that, um, which, you know, he shouldn't do. And it's, it's not on him at all. Um, yeah. It's on everyone that steps onto the court and pulls on a Wildcats jersey. So for us, it was it felt like a failure because we didn't achieve our goal. Like our goal was to win a championship. Yeah. We didn't achieve it. So that's yeah. a part of it. That's it. Um, it's an incredible achievement that the club has had, you know, to experience that many successful seasons. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's ever really de- been done in, in sport around no. the world. So um, it's something that I'm proud to be a part of um, mm. and experience. And I've, I've learned a lot from it. Yeah. Uh, so you have recently just signed a deal with the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, was there a part of you that, did you want to stay at the Wildcats? Did you want to look for something new? How did that sort of process happen for you? Yeah, so um, I was still contracted um, yep. for the season coming up. Um, went into the exit meeting and kind of voiced my you know, concerns and got some stuff off my chest and left the meeting feeling really comfortable where I was and um, excited about the opportunity I was going to have leading into the next season. Um, and then you start hearing whispers in the media and things yeah. like that, that um, we're mutually looking to right. part ways, which wasn't the case at all. Um, you know, I signed a contract and it, it means something to me to be a, a Perth Wildcat. So... I wanted to live out that that year, and then you know if it wasn't going too good at the end of that, then sure we could go different ways. But um, wasn't meant to be, and um, yeah, I'm I'm just glad I got a really good manager on my side, and yeah, we're able to um, 
get a good deal to, to head to Brisbane back to Queensland. Do you, when you hear stuff like that, you know, like, I guess, <clears throat> I don't know how it actually happens, but if the club sort of leaks a bit of news that, you know, you guys are mutually looking at options, do you really like want to get on the phone and call and say, hey, what the fuck or are you, <laughs> or do you just like, I don't know, it must, for me, I would, that's, I would be calling straight away. Yeah. I but mean, you, obviously as a professional, I'm, I'm sure you handled it properly but yeah i don't know it must be a tough thing to go through it is, it is difficult um i think when you've played in the league for a lot of years and you create friends and meet people along the way um you you have someone at every club that you know yeah uh, whether that be coach gm someone in the front office like whatever it is so um yeah i mean they were they were calling me saying hey like what's happening like we're hearing this we're hearing that and it's like oh okay no worries. So well, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> you don't have to say that. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it, it's good to um, obviously have people in in other clubs that will yeah. give you a heads up when things aren't going to play. But um, yeah, when I found out and things weren't looking too great for me to stay here, um, I'm glad that Craig Hutchinson gave me a call. Um, yeah, he was one of the only guys at the club that picked up the phone during that time and said, "Hey, like, what's happening?" Like. Yep. I want to help you out as best I can. Let's let's talk. So I'm um, very thankful for him. Someone yeah. that's cops a lot of heat in the oh, media. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it means a lot. We've still got a really good relationship. Um, we're going to catch up when we're in Brizzy and yeah, have coffee and things like that. So very drink thankful. Drink coffee now? I drink co- big coffee drinker now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's good to have, I guess, a friend friendship like that. And, yeah, we'll be close for a long time. Awesome. Um, I'll give you a couple more questions from people on Instagram that have left us uh, some some questions. Uh, first one actually from me. Are you going to take the smoker over to... I know you're a big smoker guy. I've been seeing you on Instagram. Is that like a random thing that's come about or I don't know you've been watching Netflix series about... Yeah, no, I don't know. It's It kind of just come about. Yeah, um, nice. I got a lot of people sending me things that like playing golf, smoking meat all things that come about when you turn 30. Right. Um, yeah. So I only just turned 30. So um, maybe it is true, but yeah, I'm just trying to have a double, but that's definitely coming yeah. to Brisbane because uh, Aaron Baines is a big, yeah. he's big into his, his smoking. He too, would know so, as well. Yeah. He, he would know yep. spending time over there. All right. First question. Uh, if the Crocs hadn't folded when they did, uh, would have they gone on to win an NBA championship? It's a great question. Um, I would like to have hoped so, but realistically, I think having a good run in playoffs uh, was probably something that was definitely achievable for that young group yep. coming through, yeah. And this last one here, uh, should there be a second NBL team at Perth? That's a good question. Mm. Um, a lot of talk of expansion at the moment. Obviously, yeah. Tassie's been really successful. Yeah. Um, were you thinking about going to Tassie at one point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was. Um, after the... Grand final uh, against United that we lost. Uh, I was yep. off contract and Jacob Chance had just gone there. Scott Roth had just gone there. So um, it was close. Bit of whining and dining bringing it over to Tassie. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so yeah, second NBL team. Or, or if, if not, like an expansion somewhere you think deserves a club? Yeah. I, yeah, Frio would be interesting. Mm. Frio would be very interesting. Um, I don't know how the Red Army would take and what that would do to memberships, but um, it'd be a pretty handy 
little rivalry, I think. I think so. I I think given that the way the Wildcats have gone in the last couple of years, and I think people are a little bit pissed off with like new management and things like that. A bit, a very smart business person should come in and start a team, and I reckon you'd get a lot of fans. Yeah, and it would create a good rivalry. Definitely. Um. So that's yeah, it's a good shot. I mean, if Luke Travers makes the NBA, like surely. Yeah, Rocco. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Surely he can pitch in. Exactly. He doesn't, um, pay, he doesn't pay for coffee, that guy. No, definitely not. So, he can just buy a team. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks, man. Really appreciate you coming by. A reminder, uh, and you can do this as well if you want to win this. Yeah. Um, this this. How many of these do you reckon you've signed in your time? These a fair are, few. These jerseys. A fair few. I've watched you guys do that where there's just a line of like jerseys, hats, yeah. and you just sit there with a Sharpie for the longest time. Yeah. I'm um, surprised not everyone in Perth has one, but... <laughs> Yeah. Make sure you comment. Make sure you comment on the YouTube special. on the YouTube page, um, and we'll, we'll uh, hang. On. Which which one are you here? Um, wait, you'd know your signature from from looking at it. Yeah, right there. Right there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's definitely got yours on there. Um, maybe we'll get you to sign it again. Yeah, easy. Because two Mitch Norton signatures, <laughs> one of one of only probably the only jersey in the world that has two Mitch Norton signatures exactly. on there. Uh, comment on our YouTube page on Backchat Studios. You search for the Backchat Basketball Show. And you can find us on Instagram, hello, uh, sorry, backchat underscore basketball. You can also email us, hello at backchatpodcast.com to you, send us in questions and other things like that. Next week, I'm trying to get Jesse Wagstaff on the pod. Been saying that wow. for weeks. That's a big but guest. You know who, do you know, guess who's, try, like, I've been trying to get one person to help me get Jesse and they haven't been super helpful. Who do you think that would be? Greg Hire. Yeah, Greg Hire. <laughs> Greg, if you're listening to this, come on, man. Help me get Jesse. Otherwise, I'm just going to go direct. Um, we'll see you next week. Uh, we're in a rough patch now of basketball. There's no NBL. There's no yeah. NBA. Hey, quick question. Who do you go from the NBA? Boston Celtics. Can we have Jalen Brown? from? I'm a Mavs fan. <laughs> I reckon you guys are done. They're going to break up that team. Yeah, I reckon it won't be too far away. Rebuild on the way. Yeah. Uh, next week, don't know who it will be. Ben Malice, maybe Greg Hire. We'll catch you next time. 